after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello there, my little friends. How about that for starting condescendingly? Welcome to After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about commercials. We talk about the good ones and the bad ones. And the ones where people say weird shit like this. My mama didn't raise no stupid children or smart children. She was mostly absent. My name's Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve. I'm glad you got to use that. <laughs> what is that from? You sent me like a three-minute commercial today. I found that in the middle of it, but never had a chance to really kind of dig deeper. Yeah, a listener sent it in, and I apologize. Uh, I'll go figure out who sent that to us uh, some uh, in one of our forums. But it's for a product called uh, Fiber fiber Tape or something. like. It's like that kind of tape that they say you can like... You, you can, can fix anything. You can with fix it, anything right? with it. Can like hold a like a a cage around a car together as it rolls down a right. hill. We've yeah. we've talked about it before. I think we might have talked about it on like either our infomercial show or maybe the one where we talked about like probably like suburban uh, solutions. Right, uh, I remember that. So. so it's the same exact product, or it's in that vein. It's that same product. Oh, I just can't gotcha. think of the name of it. It's weird that I it's wouldn't. So know that. the commercial is unbelievably effective to the it's like for me the kind of thing where i'm like what can i use this for <laughs> yeah, like your gator grip like my gator grip so um we done here yeah i think so okay. good show everybody <laughs> good show everybody no nah we have real stuff to talk about today um i am gonna have some trouble articulating it though but that shouldn't be a problem because I'm only a podcast host. And it's, uh, if I saw the job description correctly, being articulate about what you want to say is not not on the list. There was a job description posted for this? You're lucky you got the job. Yeah. Um, so I am going to call this Hometown Pride. But I see my part of this show, this little segment that I put together, as more priming the pump for you guys to email us with your versions of the same thing if that makes sense. So I've been, uh, in, you know, in, in watching television, especially I think watching um, local sporting events. Right now it's baseball season, watching a lot of Mariners games. You see a lot of local ads, but we're not talking about just like local ads. I think when you think of local ads, you think of come on down to the mattress factory or whatever, like very right. kind of like very localized. Maybe you even have the it's kind of- It's Jim Bob's car sales. Yes, and they maybe kind of get a little- become kind of cult figures or get a cult kind of following, tend to be low budget and stuff. That's not necessarily what we're talking about here. I'm talking about commercials, even big budget commercials, that really try to tap into the spirit of a region that are really grounded in the area. Um, and I have a couple of examples that I think illustrate this, although I'm not going to lie to you, Genevieve, I'm not going to lie to listeners. The more I spend a day digging into these, I had a whole thesis based around these yeah. commercials. That's and the then, problem with science. Yeah, Sometimes I, your <laughs> hypothesis is not borne out. As I, as I had to turn in a project once in, uh, in high school, uh, how not to grow tomatoes. <laughs> that is a true story. Can we just talk about that? Uh, that's a long story. <laughs> well, um, I still think it's an interesting idea. And I, I'm going to talk about some area commercials that kind of speak to 
or at least try to speak to the spirit and the vibe of the area that we live in, whether it's the Pacific Northwest or Seattle specific. Um, a few of these we've talked about before, but I want to kind of bring them back up into this context. And again, it's not it's not a perfect theory. Not everything um, meets out exactly how I was hoping. I, I, I'm a little frustrated right now, because I told you before the show, I've been in here like prepping for the show for the past like three to four hours and no, like three hours. And it was one of those prep sessions where everything is a rabbit hole. I just went down four very, very deep rabbit holes, but you keep going because you, because there are specific questions I wanted answers to. And I kept going and I kept going yet. None of them paid off in a satisfying way. So I'm a little frustrated by that. It's but also so, a million degrees in here. Right it is now. really hot. And so it was just a kind of an interesting thing, but I'm going to give you the best I can. How about that? Sounds good. Was that the, is that the intro of the show that we wanted or is that the intro of the show that we deserve? Well, that's the one we got. <laughs> what about uh, commercials in the news? You have some commercials in the I news. I do. Right? I have an interesting commercials in the news segment. Uh, thanks to one of our listeners who posted it to Facebook. And I've got some great listener feedback in the ad council. Okay. Uh, anything in particular? Did anybody send us anything this time? No more gifts. <laughs> skies you've ever seen are in Seattle, and the hills the greenest green in Seattle, like a beautiful child growing up free and wild, full of hopes and full of fears, full of laughter, full of tears, full of dreams to last the years in Seattle. You ever heard that before? No. Perry Como. Interesting. Yeah. It's a it's a cruel joke. <laughs> because of the blue skies? Yeah. Skies are blue in the summertime? Only in the summer. I think that that song, you know, clearly written decades and decades ago, speaks to this idea of Seattle being at the end or the edge of the universe, right? Yeah, I think for like our parent, anyone kind of a generation older than us, Seattle is, um, was, was, really kind of the edge of the earth i mean it wasn't until grunge music that it even became i think part of the national consciousness before that it was just like a western wichita yeah and it boeing was the giant uh, industry around here so it was a good it was a really good again kind of edge of the country slash alaska south yeah. as people would jokingly refer to it middle class working class city um and then in the past let's say 20 years or so well how old is microsoft yeah about uh, 30 years yeah old. i guess th- in the past 30 years and it's really accelerated in the past 10 years um this city has become a tech hub i mean the t- character of the city has changed and it continues to change drastically now when you think of seattle and this area sure boeing is still a part of the picture but you think Microsoft and Starbucks probably right away, well, Amazon. Amazon now, um, and those are the, the huge ones that are just, and now you have all these other tech firms coming in. So as people who live here, we this is something that we're dealing with because it's affected traffic, housing, everything. The city is changing really, really quickly. And that's part of the narrative here. Now, there's some good things about that and some bad things about that. And there's a commercial that's airing right now that I think you and I disagree about a little bit. And I'd like to talk it out with you. It's for Delta Airlines. So one of the local companies here is Alaska Airlines, right? Do you, do you have the like cheers drop? Red, like, like, woo, yay, Alaska. For, because uh, just because we like Alaska? Because we love Alaska. Yay! 
There we That's go. That's the best I can give That's you. That's great. <laughs> um, uh, so Alaska Airlines is based Alaska here. Alaska is a company we that love I am Alaska. deeply loyal to. And we talked about their yeah. ad with the barista last week. It's going to come up again this week, too. Um, anyway, Delta Airlines is trying to get a bite of this apple. And so they are. They have created a hub here as well now. They've sent me some expensive marketing swag. Have they really? Yeah, I mean... Because you're Alaska... I'm are an, they trying to pick off Alaska? They're trying to pick off Alaska mile... mile uh, members. How did they get the information? I don't know. There's a leak. There's a leak. Where's the mooch? No, I don't know. I mean, there's probably, there are probably ways of getting that information that's, I don't know, that are shady or less shady or I don't know. So Alaska has been, I didn't know this. So you, a longtime loyal customer of Alaska, you have their credit card, you get the miles, all that stuff. How has Delta been trying to woo you? Well, they sent me this, um, I'm a, I'm probably the, per, the I'm probably the kind of person they would think would be an ideal candidate, right? Like I've been a, an Alaska Miles member for five years or whatever, and so you know I'm the kind of person who will do that, who will who will take the trouble to be a Miles member. But I'm also not I don't fly enough right now that I have status, so I don't have a tremendous amount of money really. And I do have miles on Alaska, but like. I don't have like I don't have gold status or anything. So like for for Delta, I'm someone who might be I might be able, they might be able to pick me off, right? If they if they give me a good enough deal, like if you sign up, you immediately become a gold member or whatever. I don't know what the offer was. And so they sent me what I know to be very expensive marketing swag. It was like um I mean, you know, it's just it, I'm sure it was worth a dollar or whatever, but like to send however many hundreds of thousands of people a dollar's worth of marketing swag. It was like a very fancy brochure with a little plastic compass in it that you could pull out. There would be like a little souvenir. Oh, I still have that compass. Yeah. yeah. I fiddle with it. It was my pre-fidget spinner fidget spinner. Right. It's just a little a little tchotchke. But I mean, to send a bunch of randos tchotchkes who they don't have a business relationship with, is that's an expenditure. Well, Delta has an ad campaign that started, um, I'm going to say, about two years ago now. There's two versions of this ad. There's this one who is voiced uh, by a woman who I do not think is a name. And there's another one that's voiced very similar to this, only I think it might be Morgan Freeman or some, a big name like that. And it is trying to tap into and celebrate n- the idea of new Seattle. And I'm going to play it for you here. It's very visual. It's a lot of kind of animation. It opens up with somebody kind of in some library. It's almost Not just like, some library. It, well, it's the Seattle. The library. It's a, the Seattle library. Good, yeah. good call there. And But they pull a giant Which is, for, old... for those who don't live here, is an extremely um, beautiful and unusual, unique building um, in the heart of our downtown. And somebody pulls a big book off the um, shelf, and it's like an old-school tome. Like, it's almost like out of Game of Thrones. And they open it up, and there's a map of Seattle, like just an old black-and-white map of Seattle. But then, this is where the animation comes in. The map kind of comes alive, and it goes from this old, dusty uh, map to this green, lush map with moving things. And then the the camera kind of... There the point of view keeps kind of pulling out and it becomes um this very colorful animated ad all about how seattle it used to be thought of as the edge of the world the very edge of the country but now when you look at things with a different global perspective they're trying to make the argument seattle's actually right in the center it's just that 
we are now so far west that we are close to the countries that yeah, we I consider mean, the east. We <laughs> say this a lot, like it's basically as far to fly to New York as it is to fly to Japan. Right. And so that'll I, all of that, I think, will make sense because it's such a visual. Which ad, another way of looking that at up. that is they're both real far away. <laughs> right. right. We are still we're like stuck. You could say that we're in a dead zone, but I think they're saying, <laughs> listen, Seattle is it's not reliant on being near. No, New we York are. We're a technology. We're a global yeah. hub. There's no question. So let's take a listen to this. Here we are, out on the edge. Not where you'd expect to find Delta's newest international hub. But from 35,000 feet, you see a city with momentum. You're seeing, by the way, images here. They're really trying to connect both the um, urban side of Seattle with the space needle and the buildings, but then quickly you get a view of the lush nature around right, here. Right, like a, a bear and what looks like the uh, Olympic Peninsula. Right, yes. A city as close to Tokyo as it is to London. At the center all along. You can't stop Seattle. And then at the end, you get this, uh, this again, kind of shot of a map like you see when you're flying on an airplane and you look at their, their coverage map, sort of the, the kind of lines showing them connecting Seattle to New York and all these countries and all these cities all the in the routes. U.S. to yeah. all the, all the uh, cities uh, on the other continents. Um, so and then it's, uh, a beautiful you, commercial. it's a beautiful commercial. And then you see that kind of blends back into that very iconic ceiling, glass ceiling of the of the Seattle library. So. I like this commercial. I think that it has a very, very specific point that it it knows what it's trying to do and it does it well. It's eye-catching and there's no... It's clever, but there's no confusion over what they're saying and it just really sticks to the point. You actually don't like it and I, I think that when you're done talking, I'm going to feel like a poser. Well, as a renowned scholar of commercials, I acknowledge that it's technically very good. As a loyal Seattleite, Delta is a bunch of carpetbaggers. And the funny thing is, is my love of Seattle, you like Seattle now, but you used to hate living here. I've always loved living here. My heart overflows with my love of the city. Um, I just don't. And I feel like, bad what are they doing because in our public library that really rubs me the wrong this way. This feels just like outsiders coming in, and it's a it's a public library. That's on another a whole different level. Like I don't want really? any corporations. Why are they allowed to film in a public library? I'm sure they have the permits. Oh, they got the permits. You don't think that there's ever been a commercial or a te- I, I can't tell. Oh, if they you're got being the permits. Sarcastic. Are you being sarcastic? I'm saying like why like if you were if you they have better had paid out the nose for that because that's public space. You don't. So I can't. This is very odd. I'm trying to figure. So what about what about one of our parks? What if they wanted to shoot something in Volunteer Park and they got their permits for that? That's a public space. Yeah, ditto. I think commercials are. You, you're taking a very weird protective emotional stance on this well this happens all the time commercials are shot in public places the, well they are but i they, i do hope they paid for it like i would be curious to know how what the deal was huh i don't know it just rubs me the wrong way yeah like, i'm just trying to figure out is because we are the carpetbaggers that's what that's what is that what bothers you well, about I, this I was here bit? before delta <laughs> well you were here before delta had a hub here certainly so your reaction to this makes me kind of feel like, oh, no, I am part. Uh, listen, I am part of New Seattle. We first moved here in 2009, right? Um, I think 2008, 2009. Yeah. That's kind of the beginning of what would 
really change the city in the next decade. Um, Basically, you and I are very big personalities, and we've changed the city. (laughs) So I kind of do feel bad saying to you, I like this commercial. Then you're like, this is a commercial for outsiders. This is a commercial that speaks to the people who are changing, maybe even ruining the city, depending on how you look at things. Well, I mean, it was ever thus with gentrifiers. You get in, and then you hate the next... The next ones. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, you're, I, do you have anything else to say on it? Because I'm just so confused by this because you, no, you, look, don't, you haven't I, been here that long. You said, you said, you know, we're watching TV and I, I, have, a re, I have an emotional reaction to commercial like, mm-hmm. we, you know, we often do. Yeah. My emotional reaction is a personal one, which is I, don't, I love Alaska. I resent Delta coming in and trying to steal what I perceive to be Delta's market share Alaska's Alaska's market share okay and I don't so I don't like it on a personal level as a commercial it's great it's really effective I agree like it makes a lot of it makes some great points about uh where we are geographically and sort of the accessibility why they've located a hub here but it just to me feels um like an invasion now I get it because if you loved Seattle the way I love Seattle this would maybe make more sense to me. I think I just the love way Alaska. you love Seattle, the way you love LA. Like you love LA. Now right. you can't be as protective about LA because this already belongs to the world. But you have this just deep seated, just like again, overflowing love of that city. So I can imagine you being defensive about somebody right. coming in and misrepresenting it. This isn't about your love of Seattle or your dislike of the commercial. Alaska Airlines is probably your favorite brand. I guess you're so, just. Yeah. Like, I guess it's uh, not really about Seattle. It's about Alaska. You just feel protective of your favorite company. Their bloody Mary mix is insane. No, listen. I I don't want to ever have to fly another non Alaska <laughs> Airlines flight. I I love them too. Um, okay, but anyway, I I guess there's no power out for that. I, your reaction to that was interesting, but you do admit that it is a good commercial. You just totally. wish it was for you. Wish it was on our side. I wish it was on our side. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I will admit that I still feel like a little bit of a poser for being like, well. I guess also, I am new Seattle. I have a visceral dislike of most airlines. I mean, it's not like I like Alaska and I've had uniformly good experiences with Alaska and like unusually good experiences with Alaska considering the industry. And although I can't call to mind a specific time when Delta was like really terrible, I lump them in with all of the terrible airlines, all of the people being dragged off of flights and kicked out for having for nursing in public or, you know, blah, 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 on and on, like all of the all of the humiliations and um, cruelties visited upon the flying public. And I don't associate that with Alaska. And I do associate that with every other airline. I will say, I think the last time I flew Delta, I had very little leg room. And I remember looking it up and I was flying on a 737 and I tweeted something out like, oh, one thing I learned about 737s is they're less of a airplane and more of a torture device or something really clever wow. and hilarious like the yeah, no, hot take burned up the internet with that guy um and i never really pay i never really paid attention to what type of plane i was flying before and then another time i was flying alaska and i was like now this now this is good leg space yeah and i pulled out the thing and it was another 737 and so that made me yeah. realize oh yeah no, the, 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 the seat arrangements has the, nothing yeah. to do with boeing yeah. And so Delta's jamming us in there. Either they're getting an extra row in or they're doing something. And again, it just speaks to, I have no complaints about Alaska at all. Best airline in the world. You, are, you and I are on the same page with that one. Here's another commercial where um, I just, I've seen this commercial a million times. It's very visual. So I have to describe everything to you. It's a split screen uh, ad 
for CenturyLink. CenturyLink internet company. You get your internet gizmos there, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what is? Isn't that what they do? They yes, sell. Yes, I believe they gizmos. are an internet service provider. Yeah, they're an ISP. Um, and this was a Super Bowl ad they had. Now, I thought it was a Super Bowl ad in this area, but on research today, I think this was actually a national ad. So that's where that's where I'm very disappointed about this because to me, but this is CenturyLink ad, a Seattle company? Because that is the name of our stadium. I think Century. You know, that's something. Let's look this up really quickly. CenturyLink. This you had all day. You had three hours of rat holing on this, and you, you have didn't look no up what idea kind of where the company is based. You have no idea how many things did not pay off for me today. They're actually headquartered in Monroe, Louisiana. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess I'm totally wrong about this one, but I've been wanting to talk about it for a while, so let's give it a shot, and I'll just tell you what it was like from my perspective before um, I, I, I learned more. In, ignorance is bliss. Um, because CenturyLink Field is our football field here, our football stadium, I did assume that CenturyLink uh, was a more... St- state headquartered company, something headquartered here in the Pacific Northwest at the very least, because this ad is all split screen, okay? And the point of this ad is with a company like CenturyLink, you're bringing together both the urban high-tech areas of a place like Washington State and the very rural parts of Washington state. Like, yeah. And our, and our of, state is extremely divided yeah. geographically in those ways, like Western Washington and Eastern Washington, for those who don't live here are diametrically opposed. Um, yeah. One is red. One is blue. One is urban. One is rural. One is, you know, densely populated. One is uh, not, you know, it's like, it's just all of those divides, all of those red state, blue state, rural, urban, rural, um, you know, elite, non-elite, all those divides exist within our state. And what this what this commercial does just beautifully visually is it creates parallels from the screen on the left and the screen on the right to somebody doing something in an urban setting to somebody doing something similar in a rural setting. So mm-hmm. it opens up with uh, a cyclist in the city um, riding down a city street. Then you see a cyclist on a country road. But there are all kinds of visual rhymes. You see a guardrail in a city parking lot uh, that is continued in the split screen on the countryside into a old rural fence that's keeping in horses or something like that. You see a light rail train uh that looks like the max to me by the way the max in uh in portland yeah yeah you see a light rail train in one side of the screen and a uh like you know a a railroad car train on the other side of the screen but they're they visually like they all blend together so it's it's just wonderfully done and again we'll post this to our facebook group it is the uh it is the perfect Retort to what's that terrible? Um, I think it's is it Quiznos or what was or Subway? There was some commercial we looked at where like the guy's legs start dancing. Oh yeah, but they don't properly line up his his Subway. dancing legs yeah. with his torso. Yeah, and it's really visually distracting and upsetting. Yes, because this it's, is yeah. this is visually satisfying. This is like when you see something that perfectly fits into another thing yes. or something. It's like there's a lot of like sort of visual satisfaction to it. Right. And again, I guess just go with my fantasy here. When I was watching this, I thought this was specific to Washington State and how we have all of these kind of how Washington State has multitudes and this commercial is embracing it. What also is happening, I think there's voiceover. So hopefully it's not just all music. And I'll play it here for a second. But you'll notice that there is music in the background. And it's a it's a woman singing a song. Um, 
And then at the very end, when we see the split screen, I think we might see kind of a close-up of people for the first time. We see a young girl on the quote-unquote rural side of the screen, and she's maybe... I don't know, somewhere between 15, 16 yeah, or something. Um, and she's got a laptop on her on, on her lap, but she's also playing acoustic guitar and singing the song. The music becomes diegetic, as you would say. You taught me that word. Yes, um, and you never forgot it. No, that and decolletage. Like, it's changed me forever. <laughs> um, and then on the left-hand side of the screen, we see an African-American musician who's also got a guitar, and he's playing it as well. And you can tell He's in a studio. He's in a studio, and they're... Um, actually, he's not... Uh, let's see... His, I know who it is from looking this up. His name is Kelvin Jones, as a matter of fact. He's British Zimbabwean uh, musician, and he's in a studio, but they're Skyping, and you realize this whole time she's been singing this song and playing guitar. He's been kind of giving her some sort of a, uh, I think, kind of music lesson the whole time. And how did they, how, what brought these two together? Why CenturyLink Communications? It's a perfect end to this ad. But what you'll notice is, I love this ad so much when I thought it was about Washington State. What you'll notice is the very first words out of the voiceover guy is coast to coast. And here's one thing I know about Washington State. It's only got one coast. Oh, maybe we're one of the coasts. <laughs> and I do think that I was looking at, I was looking much more closely at some of the skylines. I think one of the skylines is Boston. And, and probably There's not There's definitely Seattle. a shot of a doorman in front of like a brownstone or in front of like a, an apartment building that, um, not a brownstone, they wouldn't have a doorman, but there's a shot of a like a fancy doorman. And I can tell you what we don't have in Seattle is a fancy doorman. Yeah. So anyway, I think, I think it's an absolutely beautiful commercial. I'm glad to talk about it. After this... It's very geographic in its essence. I think it's yeah. interesting because it's about, it's about American space. Yeah. Which to me is almost a more interesting vein of marketing i i'm trying to figure out when i'm done with this show i might just go back to pretending this is about washington state again but it does work on a national level like it's a fantastic commercial i mean i guess that's why it was a super bowl ad so let's take a listen after becoming one of the largest broadband companies in the country after expanding our fiber network coast to coast after 80 years these are the places we call home. Can I call you home? We are CenturyLink. You'll be mine. I forgot to mention this one. That is a shot actually of CenturyLink Field on the left-hand side. I think that's what really cemented yeah. the idea of this being in Seattle. We see CenturyLink Field, and they're prepping the field with some tractors on the left. On the right, you just see some old, I assume, high school football field and there's a man out there by hand drawing some chalk lines this is such a beautiful ad i think that's seattle too i know you guys can't see it but you see a port and you see and i'm pretty sure that's the port of seattle it's certainly that's up. It's certainly up port. Yeah, and that's on the urban side. On the rural side, you just see somebody kayaking down a river. We believe in the power of the digital world. The power to connect small towns, big cities, even bigger dreams. That's how you improve lives. And that's what drives us every day. That was really good. Thank you. 
That's it. So there, she's so adorable at the yeah. end. Like both of those, I think. But for the two seconds they have on the screen, um, they they really have real charisma. That's uh, a wonderful. Ad. It's just such a good ad. It almost puts a lump in my throat. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Um, call you out on the doorman thing. I know that there are fancy hotels in downtown Seattle where there are doormen. Because we've been to the fancy sure like bars ho- in the bottom I guess I was them. thinking like, you know, like in New York, buildings, like people's residential buildings oh, have right. doormen. And that's not something that Seattle would be known for. I'm not saying it doesn't exist somewhere in some, some kind of way that you know, I'm sure there are, maybe there's a doorman or two in this city. And, I, and for, you're right, for very fancy hotels, you, yeah, there probably are. But, you know, in New York, it's not that uncommon for there to be a doorman in, like, a normal person's or quasi-normal mm. person's apartment building. Kind of Royal Tenenbaumsy. I guess that was a hotel, too, though, where the, you had the doorman. Yeah, oh. that was a hotel. What is it? Pagoda? Was that his name? Yeah. <laughs> the doorman. Anyway, um, all right. One more commercial that I want to mention here. Um, I'm going to go back now to pretending that that's all about Washington State. Sorry, rest of the country. I want to bring up the commercial that we talked about, I want to say, two weeks ago when Ron was on the show. Mm -hmm. This is the one that I kind of like. It's so clearly a Seattle coffee shop. This is for Alaska Airlines, your favorite product, your favorite brand. Um, And it's your least favorite commercial. How ironic is it that I I have to grudgingly admit that the Delta ad is great (laughs) and that I don't like the Alaska Airlines ad? The Alaska Airlines, this is where you have a an attractive kind of slightly over the top young barista, young woman uh, working in a coffee shop. And it's all about this Alaska Airlines Visa credit card where you can earn extra miles or something along the lines. And you can uh, basically take somebody with you for cheap or for free. Yeah, it's a companion fair. One of the best deals around. Those are the words. You're so into this world. It's all smoke and mirrors to me. So this is about companion fares. And she just comes up to the camera and talks directly into the camera, being extremely flirty and kind of come hithery. Um, maybe that's redundant. Uh, and is like talking to, I guess, you, the person with the companion fare, trying to convince you to take her with you. With the Alaska Airlines Visa Signature Card, you get a companion ticket every year. So why not take someone that you see all the time? Someone like, well, I don't know, <laughs> me. I mean, I always spell your name right and put a little unicorn in your phone. No pressure, but I really need to get out of here. They've been playing the same playlist for three months, and I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to eat scones for dinner this many days in a row. Mexico, Hawaii, Costa Rica, I don't really know. <laughs> I'm a quick packer. So that's the ad. Um, one thing that we noticed, though, since the... Or, I noticed since the last time we talked about it is front and center right there on the uh, counter is a Cafe Vita mug, which is a local coffee shop. It's a yeah. local chain, but a small chain of coffee shops that really screams Seattle. And you can see the, Vita, the red Vita on the on the over the door, which I, I know I've passed that exact store. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah, in the background. So this was not a set. This was actually shot in a Seattle coffee shop. Looks like it, yeah. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up again is, to me, like this may be airing nationally, but this is an Alaska Airlines commercial. This is so goddamn Seattle yeah. from from the way this girl, she's like very cute, her but, style she's, but her Seattle. style is very kind of like down, down to earth Seattle, button to the top. Maybe that's why I like it. Her shirt's buttoned to the top button. That's a that's a thing for me. Um, and uh, and then the Cafe Vita thing. The music. Now, here's another rabbit hole I went down. I, was, I thought for sure we would discover that this... Shit. I forgot an important point about the Delta ad. What? I want to go back to it. 
Okay. This is a rabbit hole that actually paid off that I thought you would be appreciative of. Okay. The Delta ad, which I think perfectly exemplifies the changing Seattle landscape. Three different agencies worked on it. Digitas is the main agency. Eight locations. None of them are in Seattle. Wyden and Kennedy. Portland. Yeah. And some other cities. MKG is their digital agency. New York and L.A. So total carpetbaggers, total carpetbaggers. Yeah. And also that's either perfect or imperfect. I can't tell. Yeah. No, it, it, it precisely makes my point. So coming back to this, sorry, I had to go back to that. Coming back to this, uh, this controversial barista ad, this Alaska Airlines ad is I was certain that that music that we hear in the background, I'm going to skip just to the end of it again, where you can hear the music in the clear. I obsessed over that commercial today. I thought for sure it'd be some Seattle musician. As a matter of fact, I even ended up on the website of what I thought was the creative firm behind the entire ad, somebody called Travis and Maud. Turns out, no, and I even sent them an email. This is how frustrating I was. At 5.30 this afternoon, I sent them an email saying, hey, just curious, who, I have a few questions about this um, ad, who does the music for it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then I you realized- You thought there was an ad firm called Travis and Maud? Travis plus Maud. Travis plus Maud. Well, I mean, so many creative firms. That could be like last names. Neither neither of the people I... Uh, uh, neither of the directors... It sounds like an indie band, though. You think that it's like a, almost a parody of an ad agency, Travis no, plus I, Maud? I don't think it sounds at all like an ad agency. When you go to... Look, look when you go to their website, it looks... Exa- I mean, I go to so many um, creative ad agency websites. It is exactly like a creative ad agency website where you can watch a whole bunch of commercials that they've done. Oh, look I see. At that. New York. So they are a creative, creative or agency. But the thing is, it looks like they're just a music production company that oh. probably works with... Because look at this entire site. Like, look, they have a whole bunch of commercials that they've worked on. I assume that they made all of these commercials. My guess now is they did the music for all of yeah. these commercials, including your favorite, uh, uh, was it uh, 2 Chains commercial with, uh, here, I'm just going to click on this now. What was, was this for 7-Up or Sprite? You I know think? 7-Up goes great with punch, but try mixing it with fresh cut fruit and sangria. It's the perfect drink for when you go raving in the desert. Like that time you told your wife you were at the regional sales conference. But they're essentially like that. a modern day sort of jingle company. That's what my guess yeah. is. So now I had to send them another email right before, I don't know if you saw me furiously typing. I realized with some help from my friends on Facebook that, oh no, they're probably just the just the the music production company. So I wrote back to them, okay, I realized that you made the music. I wrote to the people who made this music and probably did nothing else on this commercial and asked them, hey, who made the music on this commercial? And also, like, are there going to be more and all these other questions? I'm super embarrassed about that. And I'm also <laughs> disappointed to know that, it, that they didn't, for as authentic as it seemed like they were going for, I can't believe that they didn't um, just find some sort of, like, just slightly below the radar Seattle band that's about to blow up and use their music for authenticity. Yeah, but I, that kind of thing is easier, sounds easier than it is, actually. I think music for commercials is a really nuanced thing. It's It has to be, it has to set the right tone, but not overwhelm the message. Um, and so I think when you're creating the sound, a soundtrack for whether for it's, whether it's a movie or a television show or, or a commercial, it's 
infinitely more important to get the right sound than it is to get the right optics about whoever's mm-hmm. making the sound. Yeah. Although, I mean, we've come a long way. 99.9999% in... of people who are consuming it are not doing a podcast about it. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel that indie bands in commercials has become a huge thing in the past 15 years. It has. And I think when it were and, and, if you've, I mean, an indie band may have been the sound they were looking for or even trying to imitate, but to go find one in Seattle that happened to have local cred, I think, would have not been important to them. Like, why would it matter for that commercial, for the success of that commercial? Um, I, well, uh, shout out to Joellen, who's a listener to TBTL. I don't know if she listens to or knows about this podcast, but when I posted this just on my regular Facebook page saying, does anybody know this music? She's the one who, I think she works in, she works in the industry in some capacity, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but she said that, uh, she's the one who pointed out that it was written specifically for this commercial by Travis and Maud, and then... Um, she wrote, according to the trades, the creative was done by Mechanism Seattle. So this was at least made by a yeah. Seattle uh, Seattle creative agency. So that's so, pretty interesting. That is interesting. And I think the, the fact that it's in Cafe Vita when it doesn't need to be for the narrative, it could just be in any generic uh, Seattle-looking coffee yeah. shop. But the fact that it's specifically in Vita, which is their lo- local landmarks, it's an extremely um, recognizable logo to any Seattleite, that that to me says local people just because that's what they're familiar with, right? Like you, you work with what's familiar to yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think often when you're in the city, I think authenticity is important to you as well. One last note on this commercial. I have not been able to find an entire campaign with this, um, with this general thrust or for this product, but I did find one more. And this also just raises more questions. I found one more who will you take with you commercial, but it's only 15 seconds. I have no idea what the location of it is supposed to be, but it's somewhere cold and rainy. I get a Midwest vibe from it. Really? It's, with a food truck? Mm, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like a Cleveland, maybe Chicago, something, you know, some place that is like it's... It's cold and rainy, but it's not the middle of winter. There's a man, I'm going to say, in his like late 20s, early 30s or whatever, talking directly to the camera. Um, but he's not wor- he, This isn't like the barista. He's just standing outside. He's just kind of a man on the street. And he's trying to get you. He, again, like the barista, is talking directly to the camera, trying to get you to take him to Maui. But it's only 15 seconds. It goes by very quickly. And it's really hard to say, understand uh, what he says in one part of this. So it's a little confusing. With the Alaska Airlines. Visa signature card, you get a companion ticket every year. We should go windsurfing in Maui. Not in a windsurfing, me neither. Or take your best friend. But did your best friend get you this? So at the very end, he says, or just take your best friend, but you, did your best friend get you this? And he has a, uh, like a, uh, I gotta tell Hawaiian you, man, shirt on a. You show me a rainy city street in a food truck, my mind goes to Portland. Yeah, maybe it's Portland. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, um, which is another, my... which would be another Alaska, you know, hotspot for for. That's uh... true, but I can't find much information, and maybe I should just just ask 
Joe Ellen to help me be a better researcher because <laughs> I couldn't find much information about this one except this one part of the ad that drives me crazy because it goes by so quickly. The sound design on both of these are interesting. I noticed the sound design on the barista one too. You can hear very loudly chattering in the background that is almost just on the edge of distracting, but I like it. This one, his voice is really buried in the rain and there's this one phrase that he says over and over. I played this a hundred times. I saw some commenters under here were saying the same thing. What is he saying at this part of the commercial? We should go windsurfing in Maui. We should go windsurfing windsurfing in... Me neither. Yeah, no, no. We should go windsurfing in Maui. Then what? Not in a windsurfing me neither. I'm going to keep playing that. Not in a windsurfing me neither. Not into winter something me neither. I don't know. Oh, is he saying not into winter? Well, me neither. That's, oh, that's let's take a listen. Oh, my God. Why did but I, I just you know, call I'm you on the phone I'm looking behind him, and what I, I think I see palm trees behind him, which tells me this was shot in L.A. Oh, you know what? Somebody mentioned that in the comments as well. We should go windsurfing in Maui. Not in a windsurfing me neither. Or take your best no. Alaska Airlines visa. I, I don't know what he... It's driving me crazy. It's I don't terrible. know what he's saying. The, the, the sound mix it's is terrible really bad. It's terrible sound mix, and they should have, re- they should have they had should to retake re- the line. Yeah, and somebody else said... Um, Somebody said he's not in Alaska. There are palm trees in the background. I don't think I think that's somebody who doesn't understand that Alaska Airlines <laughs> is not necessarily just fly uh, out of Alaska. But uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool to at least find one other example of this kind of ad. I actually think the campaign is good. I know your issues with the barista one is a little bit like she's a little bit too flirty and probably just encouraging bad behavior for yeah. the horny old men who are getting their coffee from cute baristas. And now, you know, they feel like they have carte blanche to ask him out or to go on. <laughs> overseas trips with them, which right. I agree is problematic. But if that's just like one in a series of these ads where somebody is talking directly to the camera, trying to convince you to be the one other, I think it becomes, I think it becomes less problematic because yeah, it's not a bad campaign yeah. idea, but they should do something better with it. Okay, okay, that's it. Uh, I, I'm not even gonna. Uh, I um. The last, the other rabbit holes I went down were related to the brown sugar bourbon ad from Heritage Distillery. We've talked about it a lot. It's the car going in the street, and when you listen closely, the car is making the sound B S B as it changes gears. We were confused about that for a long time. It turns out that was a a, a callback to the old Rainier beer campaign. Right. By the way, I looked this up. They're owned by Pabst Blue Ribbon now, and most Rainier beer is made in Texas now. Some is made up here. But Rainier is kind of considered Seattle's beer. They had very creative ads in the in the 80s, and this BSB ad was a direct um, callback to a Rainier beer ad where a motorcycle was driving, and it sounded like Rainier beer. My quick update on that is that since BSB started kind of doing these homage commercials to Rainier, Rainier has brought back that old campaign and they didn't just reshoot it. Like I just saw the old ass 1980s commercial on TV. And then I didn't, and I know I've been hearing them. They just do audio versions. Like it's so iconic in this area that they just have a commercial that airs on the sports station of what a, somebody going, Rainier, what a great economical, uh, way to optim you know sort of opportunistic use of the current moment here's what drove me crazy about this this was my rabbit hole and again maybe i'm just not good at my job but i thought for sure i would be able to find some press releases from heritage talking about hey we're releasing our first tv commercial ever um that was their first tv commercial ever you know it pays homage you could i know i could read the press release i've read so many press releases like this in my yeah. life i couldn't find a press release i couldn't find a press release um from Rainier 
that says, hey, we're bringing back this old commercial. Isn't that fun? When you go to the Rainier website, there's a little postage size little button that says something along the lines of something along the lines of nothing like the good old days or something. When you click on it, it takes you. um, Oh, that's not it. Anyway, something about like replaying a favorite or something. There's a small nod on their website, but there was no there was no press or anything. I scoured both of their Facebook pages and Twitters, and they both seemed I, I thought for sure there would be some acknowledgement of the other companies that they're playing off of each other in a certain way here. Yeah, maybe maybe this was just um, you know, one person's brainstorm and maybe they aren't I mean, you would think PBR would be a big enough um account that somebody somebody would be pretty invested in managing it but you never know i mean you know somebody made that kendall jenner ad on pepsi and god knows that didn't go through all the process yeah i think this is oh here here's what it says return of a classic my sorry they have a little gif of the ad yeah. the, the classic old motorcycle ad and it says return of a classic and when you click on it it takes you to the youtube of that commercial so it's that's kind of nice only to see somebody not like you know try to toot their own horn relentlessly and just yeah. gonna do it yeah, I, I suppose. But anyway, uh, I am thinking about maybe writing to both of those companies, which I should have done before today's show, and just seeing like if either company has anything to say about whether or not... Like, I would love to know, did, did Heritage Distillery reach out to Rainier? Did they say, we want to do this? Right. Did somebody at Rainier think, hey, they're biting our rhyme, or hey, that's cool, they're bringing it back, now that's good for us, too. So we were like, I just would love to know what the thought process was. You would think that I'd have those answers before I'd open up my mic, but I don't, Genevieve. No, it only... I don't know what I you spent those three hours on, but it wasn't that. No, it was. It was on that, <laughs> but I just did it unsuccessfully. I'm very frustrated right now. But that's the end of my damn babbling on this topic. I, I still think there's, I think there might be some interesting stuff in there somewhere. Do you, uh, <laughs> listener? Uh, it's up to you to find it. Do you want to? Do you want to move on? Yeah, let's do commercials in the news. Commercials in the news. All right. We've got a good commercial in the news. I want to thank listener Chris, uh, who posted this to our Facebook uh, group. And this is a commercial for Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble is one of those giant companies that makes everything you use. You know, they make your deodorant. They make your shampoo. They make your... What else? You know, like just a million, if, a million things you don't realize that they make. If you ever seen, I know you have these, but I'm asking the listener rhetorically. If you've ever seen the 1989 movie Batman, directed by Tim Burton, <laughs> you will know that there is a poison gas called, or a poison gas slash product called Smilex gas that the Joker creates, and he poisons basically. All of Procter and even though they don't say Procter and Gamble, mm-hmm. they put it in the supply of a company like Procter and Gamble because they know that it'll hit everybody right. some way or another. Was that uh, the best way to put that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't think of how you could have made it more clear. Um, Procter you. and Gamble is full of poison products <laughs> that apparently all started in the same vat. <laughs> like that's hilarious to me that that you put Smilex. Uh, poison in a vat and then it's like that goes into that same vat goes into the deodorant shampoo uh windex Mm -hmm. like it's like that's not really how that works well the thing is the way it worked was if you'll recall it wasn't just the smilex that was in the deodorant it was some sort of a complex formula where if you use the deodorant combined with maybe the eye makeup then you were in trouble it wasn't the products on their own do you remember that 
I remember, I think it was, I, my assumption was that it was, their, their point was it was cumulative. Like you have to use multiple products. It's not that it's a different poison. Yeah, but you have to use them together. It's just like, yeah, you don't, you don't just die from, anyway. This town needs an enema. So Procter, Procter & Gamble, they make stuff. Um, they put out an ad. They've, they've been doing a campaign, sort of a corporate. I wouldn't say corporate social responsibility. That's more like when you give to charity. But they have been doing kind of a social social good campaign um, called, uh, let me find here, My Black is Beautiful. And this is a campaign that this, this is not brand new. They've been doing other ads. Um, but they recently put out an ad that addresses the talk. It's called The Talk. And it addresses the conversation that many if not most black parents in America have to have with their kids and have had to have with their kids for generations about how they will be perceived and treated and judged differently because they are black. Um, this start, it's a, it's, I want to say right off the top, this is a beautifully done ad and I'll talk in a minute about why I draw a distinction or judge this more favorably than I judge that Heineken campaign where they had people build furniture and explore their political differences. Oh my God. I hated that commercial so much. This I think handles this issue so well. Um, It takes place throughout generations. So in the first scene, you're hearing a mother talking to her daughter in what looks to be like sort of a 1950s bedroom. Um, The next scene is maybe 10 years later, you know, the sixties and then on and on until present day. But in each case you have a parent talking to a child and kind of giving them some version of the talk. Let's take a listen to this. Who said that? The lady at the store. That is not a compliment. Listen, it's an ugly, nasty word, and you are going to hear it. Nothing I can do about that. But you are not going to let that word hurt you. Hear me? There are some people who think you don't deserve the same privileges just because of what you look like. It's not fair. It's not. Remember, you can do anything they can. Difference is you gotta work twice as hard and be twice as smart. Come straight home after practice. You got your ID? I guess I stopped you. How's your review? We're good. You good? You see? We're good. Okay. Good. Now, when you get pulled over... Um, I'm a good driver. Baby, don't worry. This is not about you getting a ticket. This is about you not coming home. I'm going to be okay. Right? Okay. Okay. It's not fair. Keep showing up. You are not pretty for a black girl. You are beautiful, period. Okay? Don't ever forget that. So the the final line there is, uh, let's all talk about the talk so that we never need to have it again. 
And at the very end, um, that woman saying, you're not beautiful for a black girl, that is the same woman who opens up the uh, the commercial yeah, it, by saying, "That is who said that to you? That is not a compliment. We get yeah. the payoff of knowing exactly what was said. Right, and you sort of see the, the, the camera revisits a lot of the children who were being given the talk by their parents kind of out in the world. This is part of a, a you had mentioned this is part of their Black is Beautiful campaign. My or, Black is Beautiful. Or My Black is Beautiful. And it's been around for a while. I read this today and it's part of like this ongoing series of audio interviews they're doing. Did you mention that? I didn't. Um, and, but I, and, and it's, I don't know all of the extent of the, the pieces that have been made for the campaign. Hey, Andrew, why do you think this commercial's in the news? Um, because everybody's embracing it. And, everyone's embracing it and, and saying, and, like, yeah, this is a great idea. No. And the white community is saying, huh, this makes me want to think about race in a different light. Let me tell you what the white community is doing. A website called conservative101.com said the commercial attacked whites, adding, in a cynical attempt to sell more soap and household cleaning products to the African-American community, Consumer giant Procter & Gamble decided to produce a commercial pandering to what they believe African-Americans think. And the, I mean, that's that's the sanitized version of what the knuckle-draggers on Twitter and YouTube and on and on have to say about Calls this. for boycotts, Calls of course. Calls for boycotts, I mean, of course. I mean, listen, the more, the, I mean, you can find all kinds of nastiness on Twitter, so we don't have to do one of those things where we just, like, list all the nasty things that some, like you said, yeah, knuckle-draggers said. I'm not going to justify, I'm not going to validate them by reading their, I mean, I've got a pa- I've got pages of, of comments here from another version of the story, or another coverage of the story, um, but I'm not going to dignify that by reading them because uh, this is my airtime. So here's my thing with this. I think the commercial is just really, really well done. I yeah. mean, this, I, you know, what I, didn't, I didn't notice the first time is that, um, I mean, you said this, but I didn't notice until you said it that, oh, yeah, it's going through the decades. It's very clearly 50s, 60s, 70s. You can see it in the fashion. 90s is the kid who's going to borrow his mom's car. Mm-hmm. Then I guess 2000s is the mom and the daughter sitting in the car. Right. Because by 2000, women could drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the... And I don't have an answer to this, and I'm not trying to be um, argumentative, but when these types of things come up, I think my question is always, though, what is Procter & Gamble's deal here, and how comfortable am I with having people who are trying to sell a product in this space. Like, you mentioned the Heineken ad, and what was the other one that I really hate? Well, I guess the Kendall Jenner. I mean, there you have some, some products that are very clearly, like, trying to jump into this space where they're talking about politics and interpersonal politics and everything that's going on in our culture right now. And they're not just trying to sell a product, but actually make a difference. Well, in this case, Procter & Gamble doesn't even tie it at all. Like You never see a bottle of beer. Or, yeah. Or, no, I, I think... <laughs> I guess it would be weird if you saw Procter & Gamble beer. But, you know, you don't. You never see a product. This is simply them just... Yeah, generating goodwill. Generating goodwill, which is great. I think this is really moving... But, you know, can we kind of look at it somewhat askance and say, why couldn't you have just maybe given money to some, you know, maybe just like given money to some independent artists to make this? Why did this have to be a Procter & Gamble kind of commercial? Well, ultimately, they did give money to some artists to make this. Sure. Um, And the fact that there is no Procter & Gamble product placement or discussion in it is um, noteworthy. And it is a little different from the Heineken uh, piece and campaign which was pretty divorced from the product but they do have a beer at the end i mean it all sort of is building towards them having a beer together um the kendall jenner thing with pepsi was explicitly about a pepsi um 
This is something that Leanne uh, Collar, who is um, a professor, or I'm sorry, she's the associate director of the Stan Richards School of Advertising and Public Relations at UT Austin. Companies, uh, she had to say this, companies are entering into public conversations about topics they shied away from in the past. I think it's because some organizations want their voices and brand to be distinguishable and apart from the current views espoused by our president and some members of the House and Senate that dominate the media right now. So I think it is fair to give P&G credit and any company really that wants to do something like this credit for being human beings like you and me who are disgusted and appalled by what has been normalized and who are prepared to spend some cash to attach their name to something that is distinguishable from that. And if the company wants to do that, whether they put their soap and dishwasher detergent in the foreground or whether they don't, I have no problem with that. I We are in a place right now where you you do have to pick your side, man. Like, it is, uh, it is you're with us or against us. And I hate to say that, but but there's no middle ground on this shit. Like, if you are someone who thinks that a black parent doesn't have to have this talk or that it's pandering to somehow acknowledge that this is a reality for a black parent and their child, you are living in a racist fantasy land. And you open this by saying, why do I like this, but I didn't like the Heineken one, if you don't mind me taking a stab at that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can figure um, it out. Because the problem with the Heineken ad was it tried to make it seem like, hey, what we all need to do is listen. It tried to take this middle ground, but what it ended up doing was it put the opinion that transgendered people are less than human. They put that opinion on the same level right. as a, a transgenders, transgendered person's opinion that they are human. Right. And then the thing is like, let's all just sit down and talk it out. Be like, no, there's that's no, not that's a what fucking I mean about, conversation. There's no I'm middle a human ground. being. Exactly. Yeah. And th- and this take this presupposes that there is no middle ground. Right. This takes a side, yeah. which is what you said. Out of curiosity, I wanted to do a little bit of poking around um, on. Procter and Gamble, generally speaking, like kind of aside from the My Black is Beautiful campaign, how are they seen? Are they seen as a corporate, uh, corporate response? <laughs> are they responsible in the corporate sector? Um, because I think of P&G as Globochem, right? And yeah. I, 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 in my head, I was always, aren't they the ones who are like protested for everything from testing on animals to um, environmental stuff? And I'm not even making that claim here. That just is what fired in the back of my brain. Right. Like, you know, this isn't Georgia Pacific, which is owned by the Koch brothers. Right. So I did find a couple of articles. This is from the NASDAQ that says why Procter & Gamble is a top socially responsible dividend proct stock. So I'm not going to go into the details of it because mostly I don't understand it. But it, the bottom line there is it is traded as a uh, top socially responsible dividend stock. And then I went and to... You have to clear some bars to that for that because like if you've ever filled out a 401k... Or a you know IRA you know stock mix thing for for basic investing like you can pick socially invested socially responsible stocks or socially um, they're they're different names for it but you have to clear some sort of criteria to be counted among those and I tried to go to we have various, a friend actually who used to yeah, do that work for a living yeah um, and so I tried to go into various uh, websites where they rank companies in this way it wasn't as straightforward as i was hoping best answers i got were from something called csr hub which i'm sure is corporate social responsibility hub and overall they give procter and gamble a 62 out of 100 
under the community, uh, which has to do with uh, the company's commitment and effectiveness within the local, national, and global community. It does business. It reflects a company's citizenship, charitable giving, volunteerism, etc. They're uh, clocking in at around 57 there. Again, this is out of 100, so just over half. Employees, they, they're scoring a 71, which means they're doing really well in treating their uh, employees well, which is a big deal, I think, for a huge company like that. Yeah. Um, environmental, 63. So actually, environmental, they're doing better than they were on just kind of community involvement. Um, and then governance, which is um, the disclosure of policies and procedures. It has a lot to do with transparency based on what I was reading today. I think that's where they kind of take some hits. They're only at 57 for that as well. And I saw that elsewhere, that they're not the most transparent company. But honestly, in my list of things, like unless you're really covering something up, like the the environment coming in at a 63 and employee 71, not, not too bad. I assume that I'm assuming... Maybe it's a big assumption that, um, yeah, no, it, under employees, uh, that includes evaluation of inclusive diversity policies, fair treatment, uh, more diversity programs, training, that kind of stuff. So the My Black is Beautiful at least seems to be, it doesn't seem to be totally hypocritical. Yeah. As far as them yeah, no, treating people they, a certain they, way. Uh, they, they come out on the healthy side of the overall scale there, if you look at the the sort of range of companies. And that's that's one measure that I happen to find. So anyway, I didn't mean to hijack it, but I just sort of thought like, well, what is, let's talk about this campaign in yeah. the context of, is this a really evil company that says this one thing and gets good press out of it? But that does not necessarily seem to be the case. I think we're going to start to see more of this. It's, uh, and I think ultimately, and look, I don't want to believe that if it would make them more money that Procter & Gamble would pander to the alt-right or something. I, I hope that the people in charge are not those people. But I think it's telling, and I think it's fair to assume that when they did the math on this campaign, it wasn't a money loser for them. Sure. And that give, that's what gives me hope more than, even more, you know, more than the marches and the memes and whatever, because a dollar is a dollar, and if the if there are more dollars to be made by preaching inclusivity and acknowledging systemic racism and fighting against it, then that is where we will end up as a capitalist society. If we if we survive, if we survive North Korea. That's where we'll end up. So that actually gives me more hope because, um, it, it that that's sort of tangible. So good for you, P&G, and I hope you did generate some goodwill. You certainly generated some goodwill in our house. Sure, yeah, as opposed to the fact that I feel guilty every time I buy my brawny paper towels quilted or Northern. quilted Northern toilet paper, yeah. which I'm sticking to for now. Well, let's see who, what, does P&G make toilet paper? Let's look Maybe, into it. Maybe, but they only have like a few brands at our grocery store. Anyway, let's save that for off air. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying Only the echoes of my mind Alright, what's going on? People getting at us in the Ad Council? Yeah, we've got some good feedback this week. Um, this first one is from listener Jennifer. Um, we had talked, I think uh, I think it was just last week, about the... Yeah, it was, because we talked about yogurt. About the, the, the Bad Moms commercial. Um, all of those things that, that real moms do, they... They may they may bribe their kids to do chores. They may not, uh, you know, they they don't 
they don't bake things from scratch. They they might drink wine or whatever, you know, like we played a whole, there was a whole, uh, whole litany of things. And I said, I thought it was a good ad. Um, I'm not a parent, but I'm, it felt a little bit to me like a laundry list of articles that I've read on like moms who drink wine or something, but whatever, that's fine. Um, Listener Jennifer writes, I'm a mom as a mom and a woman. I love that you'll play commercial that takes on mom shaming. There's so much shaming that goes on in the world and on social media. It's nice to see an ad respond to it. Um, I also like the shorter quote, lazy mom spot. She says, I often have my kid bring me a snack from the kitchen, so I'm basically her. Uh, yeah, I've never seen this one. So yes, this, this is, is a like Yo a... Play commercial called Lazy Mom. Uh, it, I, do you want to describe it, or should I describe what I'm seeing here? Just describe what you're seeing. So I see there's a, a woman staring directly at the camera. I assume she's going to be talking directly to us. She's sitting on a couch, um, and we see a, uh, a little girl in the kitchen this behind her. This is just 15 her. seconds. Okay. Stocking the fridge with their favorite snack so she doesn't have to lift a finger? Could this mom be any lazier? I don't know. Could I? <laughs> she snaps her fingers and her little girl brings her a, uh, a Yoplait. Uh, I don't want to cross any lines here or say anything inappropriate, but also, do you think it's notable that the kid who brings her the Yoplait is a little pudgy? Is the kid who brings her... I think so. I could be wrong about this, and I don't want to be body shaming or anything. But because this campaign, the reason I bring it up is because the campaign, or I'm sorry, the commercial that we talked about last week is these women saying, don't judge me on this, don't judge me on that. And then the final judgment is like, yeah, I'm not feeding my kids the healthiest yogurt. I'm feeding them Yoplait, and they like it, which is a very interesting thing to say about your own product. I think the mom has a very real-life kind of body. The kid kid doesn't seem Let's just take a look right here. Enhance, enhance. I think the kid, no. I guess maybe. I think, yeah, I think that's a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, the kid, the kid has kind of a normal kid body, but yeah, a little, maybe a little. little yeah, I think that, that that's a little, little on the. Thick and again, side. I'm not saying that to judge, but that that's yeah. a little pudgy no, girl, I, and we, you know, that's not something you would have seen that long ago in commercials because you want to make your, especially food products, like every, everyone's aspirational. Exactly. Yeah, no, the people in that the commercial, Wendy's girl who's eating Wendy's every day is a stick figure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think everyone in that commercial is very like sort of average body looking. So thank you, Jennifer. I hadn't seen that one. And I I, am, I appreciate very much how that a real mom, how someone who kind of lives it, uh, responds to it. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that. Also, I didn't know that you could use your kids just to serve you. Maybe we should have kids. Yeah. Well, like you got to, you got to, it's a pretty big investment. It's yeah. like a five-year investment minimum. Yeah. Um, I think we'd have better luck trying to train the cats. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is another one about kids and parenting. This is from listener Melisande, who says, okay, I don't have kids, but if I did, this would disturb me even more. Uh, this is for a place called, this is for a, a theme park called Sesame Place, which is a Sesame Park theme park. Mm-hmm. Sesame, Pla- Sesame, Sesame Street, Street theme park, theme park yeah. excuse me, um, which I did not know was a thing. Me neither. Um, the this she said Hulu is playing this on every commercial break and the tagline for this um, commercial campaign is go before they grow, so why don't you give this a play? So I assume that means go to this park before the kids are too old for the park. That is that is right, and it's okay. it's your basic Disneyland commercial. It's just the kids enjoying Sesame Street characters and rides and whatnot. But listen to the voiceover. Come to Sesame Place before little kids become big kids. Before dress-up turns to makeup, and 
tag becomes hashtag. Wait, this is a furry convention. It's time to celebrate our 35th birthday with our new neighborhood birthday party parade. Come to the only place that makes little hearts race. Save $20 on one visit through June 21st at sesameplace.com. Sesame Place. I'm not I'm not picking up anything on that one way or the other. For Melisande, she says it feels like a threat, a nostalgia threat. And she's a, she's hmm. just a Sesame Street kid, and she mm-hmm. loves the brand. Um, but if I had kids, I would not take them there. She doesn't like the go-before-they-grow tagline. It seems too bossy. It's a little... Or threatening. Yeah, sort of a threat. There is a... It is... I just thought it was interesting. It doesn't quite strike me in the same... I don't have quite the same negative reaction that, that our listener did, but I think it's an interesting... I'm always interested by marketing strategies mm-hmm. and this to me is an interesting strategy that we haven't seen before disney is going the opposite direction disney is like no matter how old you are there's something yeah. for you at disney right yeah. and this is very specifically saying like you will this will this will they will age out of this mm-hmm. so you better take advantage which is a really strange strategy because i mean maybe it's just not the kind of place that an adult or a teenager could legitimately enjoy and i could see that like it's I, children's it's one, television workshop. I mean, it is children's programming. Well, they're owned by HBO now, but that's true. But uh, which means they can show boobs. <laughs> they can show boobs. Like, okay, you're a teenager. Oh, what'd you do this summer? Oh, my family went to Disney World. Oh, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do this summer? Oh, I went to Sesame Place. Right. Yikes. Yeah. Now, did you know that the I was poking around a little bit on this. Did you know that the original tagline for these were shit. I can't keep a straight face. I was going to say, <laughs> bring them to bring them to us before we come to you. <laughs> that sounds like now that sounds like a threat. <laughs> God, so anyway, Melson, thank you laughing. for both introducing us to that product and that campaign. Yeah. Um, this is this uh, this next one is from listener Dave. Um, last week we talked about that pizza. How we're out. We've been gerrymandered out of the Pizza Hut delivery yes. zone. Yes. Um, well, what I found also interesting about your discussion there was that you called a call center in Texas. Yeah, it's called the local number, a 206 area code yeah. number, but it, it routed me down to Texas. Yeah. So I, I have been totally oblivious to this trend in um, fast food, uh, like economies of scale or whatever. But apparently in 2006, the New York Times wrote a story about McDonald's experimenting in this space where... Um, there's a call center in like central California and she's taking McDonald's drive through orders, drive through orders, not just, not just like, Hey, I need delivery, but drive through orders. So you get to the drive through in Honolulu. And this is a real example from the New York times story. You get to the drive through in Honolulu. You say, I want, you know, a big Mac fries and a Coke. They say, okay, sure. Drive around to the window. But that person was hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Um, and the re- and I was like, what in the world? How is this cost effect? Like, what is the point of that? Like, you already got to have somebody to hand them the food there. So you got to have somebody physically in the McDonald's store to, like, deal with the customer. Yeah, like, what is the advantage? What is the advantage? Did the well, article discuss it? It must Yes. Be. And so apparently it saves, like, a, a fraction of a second for each uh, transaction. And over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands and millions of transactions – that adds up to some amount of money. Uh, listen to what it's like working in this call center, though. Okay. And you should know what this is like because you've done phone. I did. I was a telemarketer for a little bit. I did uh, magazine subscription renewals. Yeah. Um, 
software. So this is um, something Vargas is the the woman who's who's working in the call center. Uh, software tracks her productivity and speed, and every so often a red box pops up on her screen to test whether she is paying attention. She's expected to click on it within 1.75 seconds. In the break room, a computer screen lets employees know just how many minutes have elapsed since oh they left God. their workstations. Oh, my God. I mean, it sounds like like a Terry Gilliam yes, dystopia. Yes, it does. I was thinking the same exact thing. Um and that, and over, the, and apparently, uh, like allegedly, it's not just speed, but also quality of customer service. But pff, you, we all know that's just pablum. Big Ronald is watching. Big Ronald is watching you. <laughs> Can I? Uh, did you have more? I, this reminded me of something I wanted to read off the Facebook page. Go ahead. Did you have more dazzling no, details no, I on just, that? I wanted to thank Dave for sending that in. I I had no idea that this was a trend. I. As far as I know, I've never experienced that at a drive. I don't go to that much drive-through fast food, but I guess I don't really know who I was talking to on the, you know, right. Well, um, speaking of this pizza problem and how we've been gerrymandered out of uh, the Pizza Hut district here, yeah. and I can't get it delivered. Have you, you have you, you been writing to our congressman? You said that the next time uh, we Congress move, lady, we have me. to we have to figure that out. Well. And like the, you need to move into a Pizza Hut district. Angela writes, you guys were joking about uh, buying in a Pizza Hut delivery zone, but I 100% did this in real life. I made sure they delivered to my house after suffering a few years in an apartment that was a hut dead zone. I know it's not quote unquote good pizza, but it is what I was raised on. The clogged heart wants what it wants, right? Angela before she moved, made sure she was moving into a place that Pizza Hut would deliver to. And do we give out awards? I, I want to give a, can we give out a, uh, a, a, it's a, you're killing yourself award. <laughs> what would we call our awards? Uh, we give them a messagey. No, that's not right. Oh, maybe, God. maybe workshop this one off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But Angela, like I told you online, I think you're my new hero. All right. Um, and then finally, I want to give a huge shout out to uh, my favorite listener of the week, which is listener Lauren. Um, she put a poll up on our Facebook group page, which I find delightful. Oh, really? How and, come I didn't see? I, I want to take part in the poll. Yeah. Um, this is a poll f- about whether or not this uh, new ad for the ba- for Bounce Fabric Softener is a chi or a G. Oh. Uh, and last time I checked, I answered, the, I answered the question. Last time I looked, it was about two to one chi over G. Um, but why don't you give this Bounce ad a play? It's just, um, it's a, about a guy who's doing a presentation at work, uh, but his shirt is too wrinkly. And you'll understand everything that's going on from this song. Okay. Harry's meeting clients from far away. But they only see his wrinkles He's gotta play it cool to seal the deal Better find a way to smooth things over If only Harry used some bounce to dry Yeah, he would be less wrinkly and winning at life First yeah, of all, I'm a huge fan of The Outfield's Your Love. I mean, I just love the original song. Yeah. I think that's a... Con- starkly contrasted with Cats in the Cradle re-ray. Right, right, right. This I love. Wait, who is that? Did you say what's the name of the band? Um, Lauren said it's The Outfields. I wouldn't know oh, the name God, of the Oh, God, I would band. have never known that. I never heard of him before. I'll give it a chi. Um, the main character whose shirt is too wrinkly has a... God, I feel like I'm so... Cl- like, it's like Scott Adsit meets... 
I don't know, our friend Paul or something. Like, he's got a, which is really helpful to the audience. But, uh, yeah, no, he's giving out, he's, I, I, I like his vibe a lot. And yeah. the turn in the commercial when he now is, has a, uh, an, a nice, unwrinkled shirt and he's killing it in the meeting. He's yeah, just, and like all, all the little performances in it are great and funny. I like the song, but I just like the whole, the whole thing. So I'm super glad that you shared it with us. And I'm really glad you put the poll up. I want to encourage all the listeners to uh, engage in these fun and interactive ways. So, uh, yeah. Oh, just Welcome be- to social media. <laughs> You're the coolest, Grandma Veeves. I'm cool because I don't think I'm cool. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. Well, as I said, it is super cool to engage on the Facebook group, so come find us there. Um, you should email you should email us at after these messages show at Gmail, uh, and you should call us at 607-444-5597. It's been a while, so call us at 607-444-5597. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Plus, I wrote all of my rhymes in cuneiform. Hella years ago, BC, you better be informed. If you don't get it, get a computer and Google it. If you find out all the reasons, we the shit, then you the shit. Yeah, pooping on the track.